0: Hello, and welcome to the Disrupting Balance Podcast with Hanifa Barnes. It's me, I'm your host, a multicultural mama, wife, and leader. And here is where we amplify the stories of multicultural women who are unraveling from tradition to make the switch in work, well being, and winning. I made the switch. Former professional actor, turned lawyer, turned education executive, and I'm not done yet. Join in on the conversation and learn how you can unravel from your stuff to make the switch, disrupt balance, and win. So welcome back for another multicultural musing. As I mentioned in my previous episode, this episode or season of the podcast, I am trying something a little bit new, where I'm infusing more of my soul episodes that focus on my experiences as a multicultural woman, child professional. Um, just a quick background for those who don't know: I am born in I was born in Liberia, West Africa. My mother is Liberian. My father is Ugandan, which is East African. So I always say I'm a part of the original East Coast West Coast dynamic, but. Another nuance to this is that I grew up in Georgia, which is the southern part of the United States, so I consider myself a true African American, but I digress. Today's episode, I really want to focus on the idea or power of process. What is process? I mean, we can always look it up in a dictionary, and think about kind of the steps we take toward any common end. However, when we really take an in-depth look into the idea of process, it's really a steady and systematic approach to some goal, idea, or endpoint, right? And I think process is powerful in that if you allow yourself to trust it and be in that moment, you can really develop um, the patience. The persistence, deliberation, steadiness, and all of those attributes around being focused on accomplishing those things that matter to you. So a few examples growing up in Georgia with an East African father and West African mother. I can tell you that my father was all about education. And I mentioned this in my social media posts that my father favored um, education and study over domesticity. And so when my West African mom would be in the kitchen cooking all of the wonderful West African dishes, whether it was fufu, cassava leaf, jollof rice, fiwati, all those things, um, we weren't necessarily forced or compelled to be in that kitchen kitchen, to learn all of those secrets. Um, today, I wish I had those secrets, Um, as my American husband enjoys that food. But either way, my father wanted us to really focus on our studies in the book. And so that's what we did. And so in that process, I remember a few examples of how I learned to value the power of process. So first, my dad was big on summer learning before it was a thing. Literally, we get out of school. For the summer, and at that time in Georgia, I believe school ended in May. And my dad already had the math book or some semblance of a math book for the next grade level, and would require me, my siblings, to complete assignments in those books so we could be ahead and there wouldn't be any gaps. And so I remember the summer of long division, and we would literally sit at our formal dining room and room table with a pencil and paper, and work through every single process of long division. And when I tell you I was so nervous, I didn't want to get a step wrong because I didn't want my hand to get popped, or I needed to make sure I erased the paper clean when I made a mistake, there couldn't be any marks. I was that kid, and so not only was it about process, but it was about form as well, and so, Those summers around long division and sitting through every single step and bringing and carrying it down and subtracting and what is the remainder or when it became decimals, what's the decimal? I never forget that as a process. The other thing I remember with my dad sitting at that same formal dining room table was filling out college applications. And at the time, things were not electronic on the computer. That wasn't really a thing, and I know I'm dating myself, but either way, we would sit together and he would get multiple copies for each school. We would literally take the first copy and complete the whole thing in pencil, like walk through it. The name, the date, and other demographic information, the major, the the college, um, the high school coursework, the high school, um, Extracurricular events. I mean, we would walk through that application with a pencil. And then once it was ready to go in pencil, I would take a new copy of that application for the same school and then complete it in pen. Because back then we were mailing things in. But I hated the process of having to first do it in pencil to recognize the mistakes, to erase where needed, and then having to take a new copy and essentially copy the pencil version onto a new version in pen, having to be very, very careful and steady and not to make a mistake. I mean, it was a serious, serious process. And of course, like all of us as a young person, you don't realize the importance and the value in these steps. It can be frustrating. And I think even now, young people, children have more latitude in deciding what they want for themselves and how they want to govern themselves. Um, And that's a matter of opinion. I do believe it's important for parents to be the governing voice in children's lives because there are just so many things coming at them that I don't think they have the mental wherewithal to really make those pointed decisions with a clear mind because they don't really understand the value of process yet. But anyway, I digress. Um, The last example is kind of more recent I had the opportunity to go home and visit um I live in the northeast but my family's still in Georgia and I went home for to celebrate my dad's birthday and my aunt who is his younger sister told this story about how my dad was helping her to get to school they grew up in Uganda. And so she would have to walk to school and he would walk with her to make sure she followed the directions and traced the steps like ahead of time and point different things out to her. And she would have to rewalk it with him. And if she didn't point out a specific, you know, um, place or point along that journey, you know, he would have an issue with that. And when I heard that story, it was the first time I actually heard that story, uh, couple of uh, few weeks ago and I just it took me back to long division and it took me back to the college applications and all of the different moments in time where process was and is important and I feel and know that as a multicultural woman that this has been has resonated through the course of my life. And this is for all people, all women, but I say multicultural specifically because of the rooting of my understanding of process based on my immigrant parents' experiences and my own experiences as an immigrant, and the value in being steady and systematic in the steps we take to a certain end. And be and the other idea is. As a multicultural person, I think there is this underlying notion that if you don't take those right steps and do it as right as possible in that first moment, then you've lost the opportunity, right? And opportunity is a huge word in the multicultural community, uh, the immigrant community, because a lot of times as an immigrant, you've come to a certain place because of opportunity, And so you have to and must value the opportunity. And in order to do that, you need to make sure you are being true to the process. And how you do that is to make sure you're being detailed oriented and focusing and steady on what you need to do to reach a common end. And my dad was a firm believer that if you do these certain steps, you're going to find success because What I learned from my aunt's story um, during his birthday celebration was he wanted everybody that came under his guidance to be successful, period. His push, his drive, his constant, constant nagging or fussing or, or requirements to do extra assignments or sit and read with him or sit and study were around this idea of, Ensuring success. And I didn't know that and realize all of that until the moment where my aunt shared that story. So it was a valuable point for me and in, in kind of the journey I've been on and being able to reflect on where I've been, where I am, and where I see myself going. So to that end, people often ask, Well, how do you do it all? I'm a mother, I'm a wife. I'm a full-time executive with a state agency. I am also an owner of Disrupting Balance, which Balance, which is a podcast and podcast education service for now. I am also involved in my community where I sit on a board. I chair committees on in my sorority and I'm involved in my students uh, my children's um, school advisory council. And so there are a lot of things that are going on sometimes all at once. And people always ask me, how do you do it all? And my answer is, I don't. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you say, how do you do it all? I think the assumption is that, how are you doing all these things at once? And for me, I know I'm never doing all these things at once. And I've learned to accept that I cannot do all these things at once. It's impossible. In my 30s, I tried. Like I tried to think of everything at once and tackle everything at once and try to, you know, have a to-do list for this and this and this all sitting in front of me and knock one here, knock one there, knock one out there. It's impossible. Um, And if it's possible, it's not going to be done in a manner or quality that um, is what you would want, I don't think. Um, And so how do I do it all? His process. Meaning I think about the system that works best for me and how I function. What are the things that work for me? Are they to-do lists? Okay. If they are, what do they look like? And if I know what they look like, how often do I need to make sure I'm looking at those to-do lists? And if I'm looking at them, do I also need a reminder, whether it's through you know, my, my device. So I have to decide what works for me. And sometimes depending on what it is, I need multiple lists. That's just what it is. Um, but the other part of my process is when I'm in a moment for a particular project or thing that I'm doing, I stay focused in that thing. I devote a hundred percent to that thing in that moment. Prime example, right now I probably have 150 emails I need to attend to and that kind of freaks me out. I don't like a lot of emails, Um, but I'm not thinking about it right now because I'm focused in this moment and I'm giving 100% to this moment. And then when this moment has passed and is completed, I can decide where I devote the next moment. And that has been what has worked for me. And I attribute a lot of that to the process that was really ingrained in me through my my father and my mother. Um, I didn't know it was about devoting time to specific things, but I know sitting down at that formal dining room table to focus on long division, that was the only thing that we were thinking about. Nothing else was going on but long division. Nothing. And we'd be sitting there for like hours. Nothing was going on but college applications or when I had to learn Arabic and read the Quran, nothing was going on, but that steady focused deliberation in that moment in time allowed me to understand the power of process and devoting my energies in a present moment to that thing and doing the best I can. And that is how I've been able to find my own definition of success. And I know my dad, who is a proponent of success, is very happy and pleased with that process. So you can be too, and you can create your own definition of success, but you have to recognize and give reference to the power of process. Take a moment, think about the times in your life where you've had to be dedicated and focused just on a thing and the outcome of that process and think through what works for you to be successful in your processes. It's definitely a constant work in progress. But if you have moments to not only reflect, but to also practice process you can definitely go as far as your dreams will carry you. And remember, disrupting balance is really not so much about rejecting the idea of balance as much as it is finding the balance that works for you. And in finding that balance, there's a whole lot of imbalance, like my process, there's a whole lot of imbalance and that's how I disrupt balance. Thank you for listening to the disrupting balance podcast with Hanifa Barnes. Hey, make sure you subscribe rate and review. And if you're not following me yet, find me at disrupting balance on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And guess what? I'm on clubhouse at Hanifa Barnes, ESQ. And if you want free tools or any and all things disrupting balance, check out the website, www.disruptingbalance.com. Talk soon.